Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pimmon, here on a Tuesday as we start to gear up for the Bucks back to back down in Miami. We are going to see a fair bit more of this on the schedule this year as the league tries to minimize travel with coronavirus and keep teams in the same city for multiple days at a time. So the Bucks continuing to be on the road. Only one of their first five games will be at FISO 4, and we know that was on Christmas Day. Uh, of course, you can find me daily on this podcast and on Twitter at Kane Pittman and the show at Locked On Bucks. Uh, always send through your feedback, questions, thoughts on the Bucks, and we like to read them out, which brings me to what I am going to do today. So I am running solo. You guys know I try to keep the pods, the solo pods to a minimum if possible, mostly because I just don't think you guys want to hear me rambling on by myself, but I was thinking about it. How can we make the solo pods more interesting, easy, we can involve you guys. And I've always told you this from the second I took over this show, that the only way this show succeeds is with you guys giving me your feedback and thoughts and everything uh, that has to do with the Bucks. So that's what we're going to do. One day a week, I'm going to send a, a tweet out there. And of course, I know not all our listeners have Twitter. So you can get us at Gmail, lockedonbucks at gmail.com. Frank uh, does have the password. I'm going to have to get that out of him at some point. But feel, through, feel free to send your thoughts through there as well. But I'm going to ask you guys, what did you like? What didn't you like from the previous week? And we're going to get you guys involved one day a week. I don't know what day it's going to be. It'll be on an off day, depending on the week for the Bucks. So this is going to be fun. I'm really looking forward to this. And we're going to dive straight into it. The Bucks, as we know, one and two, unfamiliar territory, below 500. We just haven't seen this from this team in the Budenholzer era. Of course, a pretty disappointing loss to the Knicks and an unexpected loss to the Knicks, but it sparked uh, a little bit of anxiety, perhaps, or frustration from Bucks fans. I've certainly got the sense of that. So we're going to dive right into it here. I'm going to start with Justin Wills, who says, hey, Kane, we'd love it if you could deep dive the defensive numbers to see how badly the Bucks have ranked going into the bubble and maybe beyond. Has this defense been figured out? Is it time for a complete change, or is it mostly bad luck like the Knicks game? So I wanted to start with the defense anyway because I think it's going to be the topic of conversation when the Bucks play well, but most importantly, when they don't play well, as was the case yesterday against the Knicks. I think to start, I will say this, and I kind of mentioned this yesterday, when the Bucks lose to really bad teams, I personally uh, tend to say, well, I'm not really going to take a lot out of that because there's a lot of factors that go into a really good team losing to bad teams? Is it effort level coming in, being complacent? Is it bad luck? Which, uh, again, this Knicks team and, and the way that they shot the ball uh, was remarkable. And I know that the fans get frustrated with hearing this every time the Bucks lose, that, well, it was an outlier shooting game because we've seen in the postseason that's come back to haunt you. But I do want to say that when you lose to a bad team and they shoot 60% from three where the Knicks 
would honestly be lucky to shoot that well for the rest of the season, even though it's only game three, then sometimes it is just bad luck. And when I went through the numbers yesterday with Alfred Payton, Frank Nilakina, Julius Randle shooting 10 for 12 from three, all three of those guys in their career, 30% or below uh, from three-point range, then yeah, some of it's going to be bad luck. Now, I will say this. The Bucks do have a, uh, a tendency to give up wide open threes. I thought the Bucks, on many of those attempts, defended them relatively well, as well as you want to defend a really bad three-point shooter. So let's keep that in perspective here. When you're talking about against that Boston game, when you're talking about Jeff Teague and Jason Tatum running a steady diet of pick and rolls because they know that the Bucs have the second unit out on the floor and Pat Connaughton is going to play drop coverage, okay, that's a different thing that we're talking about here. When Jeff Teague, a pretty good three-point shooter, and Jason Tatum, a more than capable three-point shooter, are knocking down those threes, then that's different. When it's Alfred Payton and Frank Nilakina shooting those threes that are not you know, uh, closed out to the extent that you would Steph Curry, then I'm not that worried about it. That's fine defense. You want those guys to be shooting those threes. Unfortunately for the Bucks, they just knocked them down yesterday. So when I look at this defense so far this year, I don't take really too much away from that Knicks game. Perhaps the energy was low, and I think we saw that on both ends of the floor, and we'll get to the offense a little bit later on the show. But I, I, you know, I would be more concerned if I'm a Bucks fan looking at the way that they defended the Celtics, but keeping in mind that the Bucks do and have had the number one ranked defense across the league the last two seasons for a reason. And I know people sort of shake their head and raise their eyebrows at that. But I was listening to the low post. And it was funny. Frank brought up this podcast last week and I listened to it after he mentioned it when Jeff Van Gundy was on with Zach Lowe. And he sort of said, and listen, I'm willing to concede Jeff Van Gundy is a smarter basketball man than me when it comes to coaching. But he said, this is the, the thing you have. People will tell you that the Bucks give up too many threes so the, the concern is that they need to change everything to get away from that. And then they forget that they actually had the best paint defense in the league. So we spoke about this, but the way that offenses are going in the league, you are going to have to give up something. Now, I, I think that the concern for Bucks fans is that come a seven-game series, you're going to be able to be exploited in those pick-and-roll scenarios, which is something that we've seen happen to the Bucks, And that's where you want to see things change. But I think it's still very important for Milwaukee to keep their defensive scheme and make sure they have that down pat because that has to be the base. That's the base. And then what you want to see is the Bucs adjust and switch a little bit more and blitz some pick and roll coverages, which we saw last night against uh, the Knicks. Switching it up, we saw that, some switching defense in the fourth quarter against Boston. So we've seen just little tiny snippets of what they're going to do. But as I've continued to say, there's going to have to be a little bit of patience here because the Bucs do have a number of new pieces in this team that they are going to have to get adjusted to what the Bucs are trying to do. Now, some of it you're going to watch and you're going to say, this looks ridiculous. What are they trying to do? You're going to have to give it time. And that's why I don't say this to say that Bucks fans or listeners shouldn't be frustrated with what they're seeing. But this isn't the same Bucks team as years gone by. If they had the same group, then yes, you come into this season and say, okay, from opening night, we can expect to see some different things. The facts are they don't have the same group. They're going to have to establish that base. And then February, March, April, as we get into the playoffs, that's when we're going to be able to judge this team fairly, I think, for what they're doing defensively. And again, in those matchups against Boston and in the next couple of nights against Miami, 
I think that's what you can take things from. These are the teams that the Bucs are going to play in the postseason. And the number that stood out to me from this game against the New York Knicks was that the Knicks were 7 for 11 from the field in the 10 to 14 foot range. And this is interesting because, again, Frank brought this up that he feels that teams are running more pick and rolls against the Bucs, or we've certainly seen that they are running more pick and rolls against the Bucs. And that is because they know what Milwaukee's going to do defensively. Now, again, if you're playing against the Knicks, that's totally fine. But you still can't let guys walk into open mid-range shots and get those comfortable looks. So over the next two nights, we're going to see Tyler Hero with the ball in his hands. We're going to see Goran Dragic with the ball in his hands. And that's where, even in this two-game set, I would like to see some different coverages, blitz those pick and rolls, switch up the defensive uh, matchups there. So then uh, you aren't just allowing those guys that are very proficient in that range to get easy shots. And as the season goes on, that's what we're going to have to look for. So nights like last night, 60% from three. Again, I wasn't really, uh, you know, I wasn't really that perturbed by that. Again, the Knicks only shot, only took 27 three-point attempts per game. So it's not like they were feasting from the outside. They were just knocking down shots and bad shooters had a hot night. Sometimes over the course of an 82-game season, that is going to happen. Uh, to Justin's point in terms of the numbers, there's nothing really that stands out so far. Uh, last year, uh, the Bucks gave up 39 three-point attempts per game. It's at 37 this season. Points in the paint are up by three points. Nothing significant there. Fast break points are actually down seven. Points off turnovers are much the same. And free throw attempts are almost identical. So listen, what we've seen so far is a close game. And then we've seen a blowout either way. So the numbers are even and out. As we said, early sample size. I don't like to go into the, to the numbers too much there. Uh, the one thing to watch again, when we're talking about the Bucks' primary defense and what they base their consistency on, it's paint defense. So far, the Bucks giving up 60% in the restricted area. That's up from around 53 54% last year. They were clearly the number one team last year. They're sitting 11th right now. So that's certainly a number to watch as we go forward. So I've just thrown a lot at you there. But basically, where I sit with this defense is that uh, I think we're seeing some expected growing pains or some expected chemistry issues with this team guys are getting used to playing with each other and I think that's going to be the case for the next few weeks but I think as always there's more to it than watching a game like last night and saying well the Bucks defense is screwed they're giving up too many threes you got to look into it a little bit closer here and last night against the Knicks was just not necessarily a game that I was ready to completely freak out about despite the fact that losing to shitty teams sucks it sucks watching losing to shitty teams, but sometimes you're just going to take less from those games than you would a game against potentially Miami today as you guys are listening to this podcast. All right. I want to get to more of the thoughts from you guys moving forward here. Before I do, uh, a quick note about our friends over at betonline.ag because we know the NBA season has fired up now. The NFL season is heading towards the postseason. And again, with Bucks and Packers fans here, I know that some of you will be into the gambling scene and will be able to find some great lines over at betonline.ag. And you can sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All 
in keeping with the betting theme, betting on the NBA doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks and quick hitting advice to make the smartest possible wages. Subscribe to Locked On Bets, brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcasts. So I'll tell you what, I could go through all these replies that I've got in this tweet. I've got them here in front of me, and I'll just read out a a few as I scroll through here. And I'm freelancing a little bit here. I'm just reading through the replies and seeing, uh, seeing what you guys have to say. But a lot of the likes are about the rookies. Sam Merrill and Jordan Wara. So Joey Mullaney likes Drew and Dante and Chris. Rookies could balance the roster out over the next couple of years when there is no financial flexibility. Fantastic point. We spoke about the salary cap restrictions that this team has. They needed to hit on the draft. So I'm going to talk about the rookies here in just a little bit, but it's a fantastic point you make there, Joey. Uh, Chris Gosol says, I love the new guys contributing early and often. Portis has been a steal. Augustine is running the second unit with high efficiency. Drew has been an easy upgrade. I would like to see Forbes with more minutes with the first unit. I think it's a good point. I do think that Bryn Forbes is going to be one of those players that you need to play with the starters. I don't think you want him necessarily handling the ball. He's a pretty limited player. I think that's one thing that we heard from Spurs fans when he came to Milwaukee. I think it's one thing that we're learning. But again, very early. We are talking about a guy that started a lot of NBA games. So I think you know we need to give him his respect. He is going to find his feet in this team. I, I think that's uh, absolutely a, a good point there. Uh, what else have we got here? Uh, Deer Tracks Basketball. Uh, he says, I'd like to know the ratio of team success when Giannis brings up the ball versus team success when he doesn't. This is just particularly in the half-court setting, no fast break. So we'll get to the half-court offense in just a little bit here. Uh, Nate says, I mean, how the fuck do you lose to the Knicks, man? I don't know. But the regular season happens. There is always good teams losing to uh, losing to really bad teams. That's just the way the regular season tends to go. Uh, Sam Merrill's stand account. You won't be surprised here, but he's happy with how the rookies have started as well. And Ayan uh, says, please let Merrill and Wara play. So the reason I wanted to talk about the rookies, Sam Merrill and Jordan Wara, is because... I think Bucks fans in particular get very excited about these two guys because of the way they shoot the ball. And the reality is Milwaukee has not had too many knockdown shooters. When you think about the teams that they've had and the spacing they've tried to create and the guys they've tried to bring in, they've had willing shooters and they've had guys that are willing to fit into the system and will let it fly, as is the mantra of this team. But they haven't been guys that I think you watch with confidence that they're going to knock them down. And I think we're still seeing that early in this season as well, albeit it's only been three games in a shortened preseason. So we do need to hold our horses a little bit here. But there's no question. John Horse before the draft said, we need to get shooters that will translate to the playoffs because the Bucs, again, I keep bringing up these numbers, but horrific shooting in the series against Miami, horrific shooting in the series against Toronto back in 2019. And they weren't tough shots. The Bucs were below 30% on wide open threes. The role players on this team could not hit a shot to save themselves when they were under pressure. And that's why I think Sam Merrill and Jordan Moore have excited the fans so much early in this season. The question will be whether or not they can break into the rotation. And I think, uh, like the example I mentioned on yesterday's show with Dante DiVincenzo, Bud does have a track record of bringing a guy in if it's not working. And I think so far from what we've seen, I mean, Sam Merrill... 
uh, three for three from three on the season. And Jordan War is up around 50% as well. So they're knocking down those shots early in the season. And we saw him in the preseason as well. I don't think that it would be crazy to suggest that the two rookies, the two second round picks, pick 45 and pick 60 in the draft could be the best shooters on the team behind Chris Milton. Now, we do have to keep in mind that those two have largely played garbage time so far. So when the game is over, whether you're getting blown out or you are blowing out a team, as we have seen so far in the first three games against Golden State and, of course, the Knicks yesterday, the pressure is off. And the one thing that we've learned watching this Milwaukee team over the last couple of seasons is guys can knock down shots in January and February when you're playing bad teams. Can they do it in the Eastern Conference Finals in the second round when the team's under pressure, down in a series and desperately in need of a win? Uh, The guys on the roster over the last couple of years haven't been able to do it. Are we asking too much to expect that second round picks are going going to come into this team and do that? I think it's probably the case that we are. But having said that, I understand why there is excitement around those two guys because these guys are genuine shooters. And again, that's something that the Bucs have lacked. So I think offensively, the Bucs clearly have been able to put up points. They've actually shot the three pretty well, 40% against Boston, 55% against Golden State. Clearly a stinker yesterday against the Knicks. But offensively, they're going to be able to figure this out. Drew Holiday and Brooke Lopez uh, have shot the ball terribly from three, two for 16 combined through the first three games. And Brooke Lopez is really the player to watch here. Out of all the things that I look at with this team early in the season, Brooke Lopez is the one to watch. I've spoke that I think that he is just trying to find that chemistry fit a little bit with this team, particularly with four other guys in the starting lineup that are aggressively going to score. They're going to aggressively look to find their own points. That's a little bit different to what we've seen in the past with Bledsoe and Wesley Matthews. So I think in some ways, Brooke Lopez is just just trying to find himself within this offense. But the three-point shot, the outside shot is something to watch. He shot really well in the bubble. He shot well in the postseason. And that was a great sign because we know that he was below 30% through the regular season. He started awful this year. And the one thing we've asked, I mean, what, what is the value of Brook Lopez offensively if he can't shoot those threes? I think he's going to continue to be respected there. But with this starting lineup in this group, there's not a lot of room for him to do other things. He's not necessarily a guy that hits the offensive glass. They're not really going to look for him to have post-ups when he's playing alongside those guys. It doesn't really fit what they're going to try and do in the half court. And we know that Giannis and Drew and Chris will get post-ups themselves. So the opportunities for shots there are limited. So you're just looking to, to, for any signs of a decline from Brook Lopez. We know he's in his 30s now. He's been such a fantastic player for this team. It's super early, but it's going to be a storyline to watch through the season. The one number that I do like when I look at Brook Lopez early in this season, he's defending 6.3 shots per game within a, a six feet of the basket and the defensive field goal percentage on those shots is 47%. So it's just a, a little bit higher than where it was last year. It was around 43%, but still absolutely elite. So when you talk about the importance for Brook Lopez on this team, He's always been a guy that's been a little bit underutilized offensively, but he does other things. And Old Resorter pointed this out. He sets screens. He spaces the floor. His role on offense isn't necessarily to score. You could use him in games. He'll go off. He might have 15 to 20 points. But 
His primary role on this team with the starting group is defensively, and so far his rim protection and the way the team's been able to defend with him on the floor hasn't changed. And I think that's the most important thing for those that are a little bit concerned about Brook Lopez offensively. So let's keep that in mind uh, again as we look for early season takeaways. And one thing that you have to be very careful of early in the season is looking too deeply into the numbers, which is why you'll find that I've been rambling on a lot on this podcast without reading too many numbers. But the one number I will throw at you, the starting lineup so far this season has played 31 minutes together. They've got a net rating of plus 11.4, 118.6, excellent offense, and 107.1 uh, is not too shabby on the defensive end as well for a, a net rating, as I said, of plus 11.4. So <laughs> the starting group has been great. Dante DiVincenzo, we, we know he's shooting the ball really well. He's averaging over 12 points per game, which is a fantastic a spark plug that this team needed. Certainly an upgrade from where they were at with Wesley Matthews last season, plus the defense we know he can bring. So if there's anything we've learned about the Milwaukee Bucks and if there's anything we've learned about the postseason over the last two seasons, it should be that your starters need to be the ones that carry the team in the postseason. And I maintain my stance that this team's starting lineup got significantly better and significantly more prepared for the postseason than there was in, than they were in the past. And to me, that's the most important thing that I need to worry about about this team. I want to talk about Giannis a little bit more, but before I do... Built Bar, you know, is the best tasting protein bar that has ever been made. They have 18 amazing flavors. Uh, they have some including nuts, some not including nuts. So if there's any allergies there, you're 100% uh, okay eating Built Bars. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. Built Bar is great for the health conscious guy. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. Great for those on the keto diet. I think it's keto. could be keto. Go to builtbar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for 20% off at builtbar.com. East meets West in Locked On NBA Tuesdays. Wes Goldberg, Warriors beat writer for the Mercury News and host of Locked On Warriors, and David Rummel, host of Locked On Heat, tackle the biggest NBA stories of the day coast to coast. Subscribe to the Locked On NBA podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And let's talk about Giannis a little bit here to wrap up the show. And please do. Let me know what you thought. Now, clearly, this is the first edition of this type of podcast. And like I said, I'm freelancing a little bit here. So uh, perhaps I I could plan this out a little bit better. But I I just wanted to, again, try and get some of the thoughts from you guys uh, on the show and and get you guys more involved. So let me know if you like it. And of course, we can tinker with it throughout the season and we'll certainly want to do so. But Giannis, to this point, it's kind of funny. And and he's a product of his own. He's a product of his own dominance. To be, to be perfectly clear, uh, Giannis, because we know the standards that he sets himself. But so far through three games, hasn't been anywhere close to his best, but 25.7 points, 13 rebounds, 3.7 assists as well. Uh, he's getting you a block and a steal, as he always does. The efficiency's been down 47.3% uh, from the field. He is getting up 5.3 three-point attempts per game. You've heard me say this. I'm not that all excited by the three-point shot. I'd like to see him try some different things. But I think it's really interesting. And Frank kind of mentioned this yesterday. He said, 
you know, we haven't really seen any signs of improvement. And, and while I, I think that's totally fine and it's a perfectly fine take to have because I, I think it's accurate, first of all, the one thing I do want to say in regard to Giannis in terms of bringing new things into his game, I think we're going to have to see it through the regular season this year because keep in mind, the Bucks did play right through till September and then we're here in December and the regular season's already started. So it's not like a usual off-season where he can go away for four or five months and come back and bring something else to the bag. And it's not to say that he guaranteed would have improved or brought something different if he did, but I just think it's worth noting that it was a very very difficult period and short period to really do that. So I think that we're going to have to see him continue to adapt and continue to adjust through the regular season. And I thought during the Boston game, we saw very little of Giannis through the first three quarters doing anything other than having the ball at the top and trying to break through the Celtics. As the game went on, he really broke free in that fourth quarter. We know he had 18 points. He was in the mid-range. He was shooting those turnarounds. He was doing different things, and that was really exciting to see. And I want to see more of that, even if sometimes the results aren't the best, because that's what he's going to have to do in the postseason. Uh, The Warriors game was a bit of a wash, but again against the Knicks, not his best game. There's no doubt about that, despite the fact he got to the free throw line 13 times. That's a great sign. I thought that there was more post-ups. He wasn't necessarily scoring out of those, but he was getting the ball in the post and then looking to distribute, looking to make plays. He had another couple of fantastic plays. I think his chemistry with Dante DiVincenzo is incredible. Those two, from the moment that DiVincenzo came into the lineup as a rookie, have had uh, really great chemistry. So I just think that we're starting to see signs of him getting the ball in different spots. And I think more than anything, that's really important. So... I think it would have been a big ask to expect him to come into this season and all of a sudden have added different things. Uh, He spoke himself about the fact that it's difficult to really get a feel for things until you're in games. And they've had, obviously, a shortened training camp as well. So, look, Giannis is Giannis. He's going to be a superstar in this league this year. His numbers are going to go up. His efficiency is going to get up. And he's going to start to find his rhythm. I'm not that concerned. It's going to be totally fine. Giannis is going to be fine. And as I said, I think we have seen signs of of some different uh, different things from him, particularly offensively, which is what we really want. Uh, Chris Middleton, on the other hand, 26.7 points, 7.3 rebounds, 6 assists. He was an All-NBA snub last year. We know that. But a two-time All-Star. And one of the things that just continues to amaze me is how he continues to improve. from the field, 45% from three, and 100% from the free throw line. Uh, The guy has just been on an absolute tear to start the season. Uh, Only one for six from three against the Knicks. He had a bit of an off night there. But everywhere else, still fantastic. And the ease in which Chris Middleton is scoring is just remarkable. Everything just looks so easy. He's he's developed this really nice, I think previously underutilized mid-range off-glass floater that seems to be money. He knocks those down all the time as well. So I think Chris Milton, the clear positive out of the first three games uh, for the Bucs. So listen, again, uh, new podcast format today. It's only the first week. I think uh, most of the negatives so far have been around the defense and also around Bud and certainly Pat Connaughton, as we touched on yesterday. So I understand those. We'll see how that plays out over the next week or so. As far as Miami goes, the next two nights, uh, it's going to be a challenge. It's going to be really fascinating to see if the Bucs can get at least one of those games. We certainly hope so. I think you'd be looking to try and avoid, avoid slipping to one and four. There's no doubt about that. Jimmy Butler, at this point, is doubtful 
for this game. Jimmy has a right ankle sprain. As far as the Bucks go, Tory Craig, who I know is a guy that Bucks fans have been really uh, hoping to crack into the rotation, perhaps ahead of Pat Connaughton. Uh, he's got a nasal fracture, a broken nose, if you want me to not get technical with that. Uh, he took a pretty severe shot to the, to the schnoz in the, at the end of that Knicks game, and he looked pretty sore. So Craig has wore a mask before, so we might be seeing mask Tory Craig here in the next few days or the next week or so. But we'll wait and see. Uh, Bucks and Heat, that's an 11.30 tip-off. I believe that's a national TV game. In fact, I think both are. I think it might be TNT tomorrow, and then uh, it'll be an NBA TV game. Uh, the next or the following day there on Wednesday night as well as we head towards the new year. So, listen, big challenge for the Bucks, Revenge game for them. There's no doubt about that. They get to go up against a Heat team that eliminated them much earlier than they wanted to be from the postseason. Again, send me your feedback at Kane Pittman, at Locked on Bucks, and we will continue to roll with these podcasts throughout the season because for me, again, it's a bit of fun. I get to hang out with you guys. I get to interact with you guys and, and get, get some of your thoughts on this team. But remember, the one thing I say, we've learned this from the last two seasons, uh, the last two seasons, wins and losses and things you learn out of the first five games, five, ten games of the regular season, not all that relevant when it comes towards the end of the season. So I would say it's time to relax. It's time to relax a little bit about Bucks basketball, and we'll see how this thing plays out over the next couple of months. But for now, I'm going to leave it there. Stay safe out there. We'll speak to you guys after Bucks Heat. <laughs>